Good morning. Uh, the readings today come from Matthew 10, 40 to 42, and Romans 12, 9 to 13. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. In Romans 12, 9 to 13, love in action. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be, hope, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Brilliant, Christopher, would you like to come up? Well, it's really good to have uh, Archdeacon Christopher here and to come to preach to us, to encourage us and build us up in our faith, so no pressure. Uh, but I'm going to pray God's blessing on you now uh, and that uh, we would hear God speak to us through you. Father God, thank you for Christopher. Thank you for his heart of service to you, to the diocese here in Bristol. Thank you for the blessing that he's been to, to many people. And we pray now, Lord, that as he... Uh, yeah, shares the word that you've laid on his heart. We pray, Lord, for your spirit to rest upon him. We pray for that spirit of boldness and courage to proclaim your truth in your word courageously. Lord, bless him as, we speak, as he speaks to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for the welcome. Can everybody hear me? That's all right. Great. Good. Well, my role is Archdeacon of Malmesbury, and I see my role very much as being about keeping the machinery of the church well-oiled so it can get on with being the church, doing its mission and its ministry. And I've been asked today to think with you about hospitality. What is the role of hospitality as we share our faith? What's the role of hospitality in sharing God's love? And I wonder what you think of when you think of hospitality. For some people, it's a career, it's a livelihood. They work in the leisure industry, in pubs or hotels. They might have a career in hospitality or a degree in it. By hospitality, we might also think of when you've been to a major sporting event. Um, I went to Wimbledon a couple of times and I was quite gutted actually to see empty seats because there were people there who were on corporate hospitality, who were off um, drinking the beer rather than watching the tennis. A bit sad, really. But I've also had experience of the other side of that. So I used to be vicar of Lechlade, and I don't know if you know it, but it's a little town in the Cotswolds, and it is near Fairford, where the big air show is. And there's a lovely church there with a spire that lines up if you're in an aeroplane with the end of the runway. So when they had the air show, the planes would do their final approaches over our runway, over our steeple. 
And when they were taking off, I'd be doing the 10 o'clock morning service, and there'd be this huge, growing, rumbling sound. And it was not the power of God. It was the power of a B-2 bomber taking off to launch the air show. And so, I guess, in order to keep the local vicar quiet, I got an invitation to the hospitality tent and to sit at the edge of the runway and to see the aeroplanes, which is wonderful. But all that hospitality, it is in a way a little bit transactional. You help me out, I help you out, or I pay for a nice meal at the pub. The kind of hospitality that I want to think about and which the story of the Bible is about is about a hospitality that reflects the nature of God. And when I think of that kind of hospitality, I think of my godparents who back in the 1990s were in their 80s and yet they would pick a random student or two to take home after church to give a proper meal to. And that was a wonderful experience, sitting crammed around this table, which was laden with lovely food that kept on appearing from a tiny kitchen that was not much bigger than a broom cupboard, it seemed. They gave so much of themselves, despite being on a pension. And for me, that taught me what hospitality can be like. And I think that hospitality is rooted in the heart of God because it's about welcome, it's about relationships, it's about sharing all the goodness that God has given us. And that actually helps people to see what God himself is like. Cast your minds back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter two. There's this wonderful image of God walking in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden. It describes a God who wants to know his people. And of course, human sin gets in the way of that. That's why we had the confession earlier on in the service. And it tends to disrupt that relationship with God. But throughout the Bible, we see God calling us back into a relationship with him. Jesus comes, showing us the hospitality and welcome of God. He gives us that meal at the Last Supper to remember him by an act of hospitality that speaks of his death on the cross so that we can be forgiven. And also that meal looks forward to the heavenly banquet which Jesus talks about so much in his parables and which the New Testament bears witness to, an everlasting future with God and with one another. And we are all called to be part of that not just those of us who are here today, but the whole of God's world. Every person is invited into that relationship with Jesus if they will just accept it. And hospitality is a really important part of our sharing of God's love. Because what hospitality does is it helps people to see in an unpressured way the love that God has for them to experience what it is to be part of a Christian community, to build those relationships. It's very often, if you talk to people in their journey of faith, um, I was speaking to a lady today down at the um, church centre who said that if it hadn't been for the hospitality of Christians, she wouldn't be there today because it's the first step on a road of faith. Hospitality, which is given in a natural, unforced way that doesn't demand a response from people, can be incredibly powerful 
in sharing the love of God. I'm going to reflect a bit on the way that we see hospitality throughout the Bible. And I think there are differences, Old Testament, New Testament, and the church today. If you think of the Old Testament, the culture there is of people living in what can be a very harsh and inhospitable environment. You still see it today sometimes, where the culture is that you cannot let somebody walk past your tent without inviting them in, because a glass of water might be the difference between life and death. And so Abraham is sitting at the front of his tent, and he sees three strangers come along. And although he's a man of great wealth and prestige, he rushes out to meet them, he bows down low before them, he says, come into my, come into my home. And he tells his wife, quick, if he does so in a very bossy way, actually, if you look at the Hebrew, quick, go and slaughter the calf, make some bread, feed these guys. And if you think about how long it must take bread to rise, that's quite a commitment. Really, they're going to be there for three or four hours. Tommy's rumbling. But he welcomes them, and doing so, he encounters God. I wonder what that means for us, because it feels a very long way from our fast-paced, hectic society, which is quite anonymous. Loads and loads of people we see, you know, if you work in a city, you can see hundreds of people in a day passing by you. Are there ways that we can be countercultural? I did a very daring thing the other day. I smiled at someone in London. <laughs> You know what it's like? Everybody wears grey and black, don't they? They march along so quickly, very seriously. But if you smile at people, it's funny, people do smile back. And my daughter was just skipping along the pavement. You can see people smiling at her. Just a simple act like that can let people know that they are noticed, that somebody's seen them, and that in some way they matter. If you want to be even more radical... You could try talking to someone on the train. That's a complete no-no, isn't it? But you can, I suppose, make a comment as you sit down, and then if they want to talk, they can open up a conversation. If they don't want to talk, they'll just respond, and that'll be the end of it. Are there ways that we can just create those opportunities to build connection? If we move into the New Testament, in the small villages where Jesus grew up, hospitality was very much part of the culture, and it was part of status as well. You showed who you were, and you showed your significance by the kind of hospitality that you could put on. And part of the reason why the wedding at Cana is such a disaster is that the wine runs out, and that family will be ashamed. People would also use hospitality in quite a transactional way. So, you know, I will entertain you, you then owe me something, there's no such thing as a free lunch. But Jesus shows us something completely different in Luke chapter 14, verses 12 to 13. When you give a luncheon, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. 
Now, I think there are many ways that hospitality can be strategic, and that can be legitimate if, for instance, you have a team that you belong to. You can go out for a meal together and build relationships. Recently, Good News for Swindon invited all the church leaders in the area for hog roast. And it was brilliant the way that, although there were lots of theological differences, everybody could meet together and build relationships. Garden parties are a way that royalty and bishops say thank you to those who do a lot in their community. And I don't think that Jesus meant you should never invite your friends or your family round for a meal. Certainly not what he's saying there. That's just that kind of hyperbole and exaggeration for rhetorical effect that happens in the culture of the time and often in Jesus' teaching. But what he is saying is, who are the people that you can invite who might not be able to pay you back? Whom you can invite and for whom hospitality will be pure, sheer blessing? Just invite you for a moment to ask God if there's anyone that he would lay on your heart who might be like that for you. Maybe that might be a fellow Christian from another country who needs somewhere to stay or a visitor. And that seems to be the situation lying behind the reading we heard in Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 to 43. And the situation that envisages is where the early church was made up of Christians who were living in small communities scattered in the midst of big and hostile cities. And prophets and evangelists would travel from one place to the next, receiving hospitality as they went. And so it's part of the Christian duty to receive those people. And Jesus is saying that when we receive people like that, we're receiving him. Nowadays, we support missionaries through our giving, and I know you do this at the church here. You support a lot of mission partners. You also give to the diocese, the work of the diocese, across our whole area through parish share, and thank you for that. But you might also find that there are times when missionaries come back on furlough, and I've had wonderful experiences when people have been welcomed back and they've shared something of their lives and what they're up to. Or maybe you've hosted Ukrainian refugees, or you've been part of the diocesan link with Uganda, hosting people who come from a different culture can teach us so much. And although they might never repay us, it's actually the privilege of hosting which gives so much to us. When Chantal and I were first married, we lived in a vicarage, which was quite an obvious vicarage, and we used to get all kinds of people dropping by. And sometimes there'd be people who just wanted a sandwich. And sometimes there would be people who needed a bit more. And occasionally we'd invite them in. Now, we stopped doing that when the children were born. And I think everything I say about hospitality, we've got to bear in mind we have that responsibility to those on whom we depend, those who rely on us. And we need to be sensible about safety. But I've also learned that we learn a lot by doing. My wife and I place a lot of emphasis on that word in Romans 12, verse 13, practice. Practice hospitality, says Paul. 
Now, I don't actually know if the Greek has the same double meaning as the English, because, of course, in English, practice hospitality means, on the one hand, practice is something that you do when you keep on doing something regularly, isn't it? But practice can also mean something that you're getting better at and you need to keep on doing because you find that you get better at it as you do it. Now, I have literally no idea whether that range of meaning is allowed by the Greek, so I'm putting quite a lot of weight on a fairly slender peg here. But I think there's a good general point that actually we get better at hospitality as we do it. We have to practice. And we do have to keep on working at it. We've got three kids who are teenagers. They're all at secondary school. One of them's got quite complicated disabilities. And I never know what state the house is going to be in. I can spend all morning tidying it up and getting things ready. And then when the guests ring the doorbell, there's a pair of manky trainers that have suddenly appeared by the front door. And I open the door to welcome somebody in and this wet dog rushes past them. And the experience of our house is never going to be candlelit tablecloths and all that kind of thing. It's always going to be a bit chaotic. There might be a flower arrangement on the table, but it's probably there because my daughter has got some sweet peas in the little bit of the garden that she cultures. And that's lovely because that's her. And it won't be a smart dinner party. It'll be lasagna, an apple crumble, and a warm welcome. But I think it's about doing what you can in your circumstances. What works for you? Don't have some kind of ideal up there that you're aiming for, but think about what's natural, because it's really the relationships that help people connect, and it's the generosity that helps people experience affection and love. And you might be thinking, well, I'm an introvert by nature, and all this talk of hospitality and opening up my house to strange people feels very challenging. Well, I'm an introvert by nature as well, and we find it easier. Just have a couple of people at a time. Although sometimes also we open up our house to the youth group who come round for pizza and lemonade. And that's just what works for us. Something completely different might work for you. Maybe at a national event, inviting neighbours round for tea or coffee to celebrate at the Jubilee or something like that. Or a barbecue can be as good as something formal. Or if you live in a, in a neighbourhood where actually people don't go into each other's homes. I mean, that can be a very middle-class thing, can't it? Opening up your home. Maybe hospitality is about going down to the pub for a grill or a drink. And it might mean thinking about baby steps as well. So maybe having sandwiches in the um, shared area at work rather than eating them at your desk. Or just saying hi to the neighbours. All of those can be little steps. Finally, I've assumed so far that when I talk about hospitality, we are giving hospitality to others. It's about Christians sharing the love of God by sharing what we've got, and that's really important. But actually, if you look at the New Testament, and particularly the Gospels, you see Jesus going round and receiving hospitality. People give to him. People minister to Jesus. 
You see him going to the smart dinner of a Pharisee who disagrees with him. And you also see Jesus going to the riotous party of a traitorous tax collector. He is the guest of honour at all sorts of places. And when we accept hospitality, it shows the person who's giving it to us that they matter to us. It makes equals. It creates opportunities. It might mean going places you've never been before. It might mean crossing some boundaries. It might mean eating some unusual food or meeting some odd people. But swallowing our pride and allowing ourselves to be ministered to can be even more powerful than offering hospitality to others. Now, you eat maybe three meals a day, seven days a week. What if one of those could be a new opportunity to give or receive hospitality? Might there be opportunities for one of those meals to be with somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus? And where might the surprising chances be for you to receive? Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for the generosity of your love for us. We thank you that you invite us into relationship with you. We thank you for everything that you share with us, and most especially the love of Jesus. Help us, we pray, to share that bounty with others, to open our lives in ways which are natural and genuine for us. Help us also to be open to receive hospitality. Bring to our minds, we pray, those who don't yet know you, with whom we could build relationships. And lead us by your Spirit to give us courage to invite them, humility, and openness to what they may bring. Fill us with your Spirit, we pray, and help us to share your love. Amen.